Welcome into the Bear Down Podcast. I'm Chris Black. Usually with Adam Abdallah, he's off this week. You can check out our show weeknights, 6 to 8, right here on ESPN 1000. The Bear Down Podcast, Tuesdays and Thursdays, right here on the ESPN Chicago app. We have a special guest today on the Bear Down Podcast. One half of our morning show, Cap and Jay Hood on ESPN 1000, 7 to 10 weekday mornings, right here on ESPN 1000. Jonathan Hood, the first time on the Bear Down Podcast. What's going on, Jonathan? Chris, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me sit in for Adam Abdallah here on the great Bear Down Podcast. You know, we always need more Bears content because we don't know what the season's going to bring. So I'm just glad to be able to add some uh, expertise and less. Well, okay, so a, a little, <laughs> a little, uh, maybe not necessarily behind the scenes because it was on the air, but the intent of this podcast is not to uh, give topics to then fuel uh conversation on espn 1000 but i do feel like indirectly our thoughts on this podcast about a week two weeks ago really uh created a debate not only on your show but throughout the entire station on this concept that me and abdallah think this bears team is not going to be terrible now i feel like that take was kind of construed and in torn and moved into uh and and pulled into whatever direction uh the those who are talking about it uh, could use to their benefit. Uh, but the the objective uh, of this offseason is not to say that this team is going to be good or great. Mm-hmm. I just don't see how they're going to be the worst team in the NFL. And that's a, a conversation we've had here on the podcast throughout this offseason. So so when, when I established that and we bring you on to the show, what did you think of that conversation that was taking place on ESPN 1000 about a week and a half, two weeks ago about how we think they're going to be a very good football team, yet there are those who say that they're going to be terrible in the back and forth that took place. Well, the those that believe that they're going to be terrible is my partner, David Kaplan. And he was able to get that opinion from somewhere, uh, one of his friends or one of his text buddies. And, of course, Cap ran with it because the first opinion that he hears is the best opinion. Uh, and so that usually is the case for Cap. And so... I disagreed with him, he disagreed with you, and he disagrees with me. And so his thought is that they're going to be dead last in the National Football League, dead last in the NFC North, and uh, I disagree with that. I still believe that the Bears have a puncher's chance to have six or seven wins. It's only because you look at the roster. Um, What you guys are talking about, from the conversation I remember listening to, is that you have to take a look at the NFL in its totality. Man, you know, a field goal here, a mistake by the other team there, and the Bears could be able to win. I'm not sure how many Bears wins the team will earn this upcoming season, but because the NFL, you never know who's going to slip on a banana peel, and I think that's fair to say. I just think that this team is about a seven-win team at best, and you know what? That's okay, especially when you're trying to find pieces for the future. Yeah, and and I think... um factoring into all of it right you look at the schedule last place schedule and then also they won six games last year with from what i think is incompetent coaching and if there's any level of competency this season Mm -hmm. then i think six wins is certainly achievable seven wins like you just said achievable the vegas number is anywhere between six and a half and seven and at that point, based on what you just laid out there, something goes your way one week, you miss 
uh, a starting quarterback in in a week where that team has like an elite guy, which could really change uh, how you view a game. You know, say say Buffalo, Mm -hmm. right? You play the Bills. If Josh Allen's hurt, boom, a, a game could possibly swing your way even though you're not the more talented team. And, and that's why I think that seven to eight, nine win range is, is where the bull, the bears will fall in. I, I don't think that they're a playoff team. I don't think they will contend for the playoffs, mm-hmm. but they will be in the hunt because they'll be sniffing 500. I think for the majority uh, of the season. Well, I think that that might be ambitious. I, that's why I said six or seven wins. I'm like, I'm a, I might hold at seven. It, you know me very well, Chris. You know how I look at things. It's first blush with the pen when the schedule first comes out. Sure. Mm, that looks like about six or seven wins. Yeah. You get after the training camp. You see what's happening at training camp. And then right before the season, that's when you lock in the number. And so, like I said, it's seven now. But you know me. I'm a simple guy, and I try to keep sports simple. And how I look at it is if you have more question marks than positives on your roster, that tells you all you need to know. It's not a hot take to say, hmm, the Bears really don't have a number two receiver for Justin Fields to depend on. If you like Darnell Mooney and if you believe what uh, Sports Illustrated says in their 100 predictions and they say that Darnell Mooney's going to be a household name, if that's the case, cool. But I don't know who else is going to be able to pay dividends for the team offensively at wide receiver. There's still question marks in the offensive line. Not necessarily negatives. See, people confuse the two. When I say question marks, that means I don't know what Larry Borum is. I don't know what Tevin Jenkins is to hold up the offensive line because they're young players. Same thing with Justin Fields. More a a question mark than than a positive because we have not seen Justin Fields with no problem behind him. Like he doesn't have to have, you know, big red over his shoulder, whether or not he's going to get in the game or not. It's his team now. We have to see the development of that. So in the defense as well. So as we will, I'm sure we'll roll into that. But Chris, to me, I try to keep it simple. If there's question marks you have about a roster, that means that you're probably not looking at a playoff team. What you're looking at is a team that's in development. Speaking of question marks and someone that I think really needs to step up and help out Justin Fields this season, be a safety valve over the middle, uh, move the chains and, and really... Uh, be a difference maker offensively, and that's Cole Komet. This, to me, is a make-or-break season for Cole Komet, and we really need to see some positive, game-changing type of plays out of the tight end from Notre Dame, who we expected to be a guy who could get to that level of elite tight ends in the NFL. Maybe not immediately, but we need to start seeing some impact, some explosion from uh, Cole Komet. So here is where the rubber meets the road with Cole Komet. Was it an inept offense in which the tight end was not utilized enough, he wasn't figured in the plays, or is that Cole Komet just isn't a good enough player? And and that's, a, I mean, that's, I think the question is still out. The jury's still out on Cole Komet. In this iteration of Bears offense, will we see what we see in the National Football League with the good teams? Will we see Cole Komet be able to be utilized for 60 or more catches? Like, I'll ask you. Like, if I set the number at 40, you take over and under as far as the amount of receptions he'll have. I would hope over, but based on his career, I would have to say under. I just, but here is the See what I mean by question marks? Yeah, right. Before I, I label him a bust like Yurko was going to, I, what I will say is let's take a look and see in a new offense with Justin Fields being the number one guy, doesn't have to worry about anyone over his shoulder. Can he be able to get that safety fa- valve and Cole Komet? 
those tough yards for the first down. That, that's what I want. Right. See, see, here's the thing we know. I know there's things we know and things we don't know. We know Cole Komet is not some all-pro for the first couple of, of uh, games, a uh, couple of seasons for him. Um, and, and we talk about looking over the shoulder. This is Cole Komet's job. You don't have to have you don't have any uh, soon to be Hall of Famer over your shoulder taking up some of your reps. You are the number one guy in the depth chart at tight end. Now let's see what Cole Komet can do. Was it a bad offense, or can Cole Komet, knowing that he's a number one guy, be able to get the job done? That's again, time will tell. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another thing that I look at, um, if we swing it towards the defensive side of the ball, one of my kind of thoughts on this whole uh, head coaching search and and Ryan Poles coming in and reshaping the organization is when you hire a defensive-minded head coach. Usually, in the past, those defensive-minded head coaches were on previously championship-level defenses, right? Or they, they've come off runs where their defense was the top defense in the NFL for multiple seasons. Mm-hmm. That's not what Matt Eber- Eberflus is. Uh, he's been very good for a long time with the Colts as a defensive coordinator. He was not the best. And he did not come off a championship where the defense led the way, yet the Bears go that direction, hiring a defensive-minded head coach. What did you make of Ryan Poles making that decision when almost every single team looking for a head coach, they went offense? The only other team that didn't go offense, it was the Saints, but the Saints did it by keeping uh, their coach in-house. Dennis Allen was their defensive coordinator. They elevated him to head coach. The Bears are the only team that brought in somebody else who ran the defense previously as their head coach. What would you make of that? I just thought it was a coach that was hired for this transition period for the Bears. I've been saying tongue-in-cheek with a little bit of a wink and a nod that I don't believe that Matt Eberflus is going to see the new stadium in Arlington Heights. And the reason why I say that is because, <laughs> well, first of all, there's a couple of reasons. One, it's Chicagoland, and things kind of move at a snail pace sometimes. They're not just going to just throw up a new stadium next week. No. Right? It, it no. takes time, right? And so Think about I, it. They, they announced that the, the, the land was purchased. Have we heard any more details? I've not. Since that? And that was back in the fall? Now, I've read about the casino. Sure. The new casino. Well, that'll um, make money for the city immediately. Is the stadium going to make money like that? Oh, yeah. It'll make, it'll make money for the city immediately, you know, like the lottery. So anyway, uh, so <laughs> I look at it like this. I look at it as Matt Eberflus comes in, and I think that, that he's a tr- transitional hire. And I just think that if he's going to be able to help this defense along, that's great. I try to spin a positive by saying, here's Eberflus that's seen all the different offenses and seen Justin Fields. Maybe in a mirror image, in a different type of way, here's a defensive coach that says, okay, hey, so Justin, here's where defensive players are going to be looking at when it comes to what you look at you know, from your viewpoint as a quarterback, when you throw the ball, when you turn your head this way, this is what defenders will look at. There's a way to do that, right? Even if Iberflus is not some offensive genius or has any offensive game plan, from a defensive coordinator standpoint, maybe he can help in that way. Here's where defenders are going to be looking at. And I think that if Iberflus is smart, he could be able to talk to Justin in that way. But I, I mean, the higher to me just reeks of, okay, this is going to be a bridge higher to something better in the future. In, a, in two or three years, if the Bears are still not being able to develop, Iberflus won't be here. 
it's as simple as that. I mean, yes, I would have preferred an offensive head coach to be able to go along with Justin Fields, but that's not what they did. They got Luke Getze as an offensive coordinator. It's kind of like, okay, can he call plays? Can he get the most out of Justin Fields? Again, question marks. Absolutely. I I think when you look defensively, um, it's interesting the way they've handled players who were here previously, and it's been kind of reported over OTAs now. Like someone like Jalen Johnson, who was your number one cornerback, the new regime comes in, and they have him running at times in OTAs with the number twos. Now you go out and you draft uh, a cornerback, you draft a safety, you get new blood in there. Uh, but I would assume Jalen Johnson assumes that he's the number one cornerback. But the the fresh new coaching staff comes in and says, no, 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 we're all competing for these positions. I think that helps this team going forward. Competition and also not guaranteeing guys who, you know, no offense for, for Jalen Johnson, he's, he's a good coverage wide cornerback. Uh, he, what, has one interception in his time? Mm-hmm. Two years, right? And, or, or very little, very few interceptions? No, I think you nailed it. it I mean, the, the turnover bucket on the sideline was empty. It empty. Had, it, it had cobwebs on it. Sure. So so new regime comes in defensively, and more importantly, the, the secondary and the cornerbacks, we need more depth, more uh, competition, and guys who are performing when they get into the game. What would you make of Johnson at OTAs at times having to run with the twos? Oh, you know, I, I think that is uh, that sends a message. You know how it usually works out, though. It's kind of like there are some veteran players that says, well, you know, I started here before, so I've made it. And then a new coaching staff wants to be able to knock the cockiness or the assurance away from veteran players. Like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm with the ones, right? Well, you know what? You're kind of coasting out there. Why don't you work with the twos and get hungry to get back to the ones? You know it's going to work itself out, Chris. Yeah. You know, like eventually, like Jalen Johnson will be a one. He'll be the starter when they start the season. But I think that a coaching staff or a coordinator can look at something and says, yeah, that guy's just not hustling as much as Bo Peet Keys or Thomas Graham. Not, you know, not working as hard as, you know, Elijah Hicks at free safety or AJ Thomas at, at strong safety. Just it's certain things that they will look at and just say, yeah, you know what? Maybe we need to bust you down a little bit to build you back up. So if that's the case, I got no problem with that. But you know how it works at the end. It is important. It is paramount that this team finds a way to be able to get turnovers. I know that this is defense and running back you here with the Chicago Bears. But defensively, Chris, we, we saw some really – Really putrid defense. Oh yeah, you know, it is something that we're not used to seeing. I mean, during even during the lean years of the Bears, we saw uh, defenses holding up there in the bargain, where they were getting turnovers and trying to help the offense from their standpoint. But boy, man, we take a look at some of these defenses here, and uh, it, it. I mean, after the first year of the Bears under Matt Nagy, uh, it really went the wrong direction. To me, it was uh, the the lack of depth in the secondary. So you, you can mm-hmm. put that, you know, obviously Nagy's the, the head coach of the team. Mm-hmm. I, I'd put a lot of that on Ryan Pace, his inability to uh, have young players who could step in. And then also, you know, you look at, uh, at, at your front seven, you had two elite pass rushers yet. It didn't seem to really make a whole lot of a difference last year. Robert Quinn was incredible. Sets the franchise record for sacks. Khalil Mack, I don't think, was that good last year in and out of the lineup. 
he was injured. And then yesterday, uh, Keem Hicks signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, so now you have a hole there. Goldman's out as well. Trying to figure out uh, depth and movement up on the uh, front seven. Yeah. And, and you're going to go with young players to try and create that pressure on a, on a quarterback. You see what I'm saying with transition? Like, I, I'll tell you, like at nose tackle, you got Angelo Blackson. And I'm just looking at like the current roster in front of me here. So it's like Angelo Blackson at nose tackle. You've got Muhammad at defensive end. Justin Jones at defensive tackle. Does Mario Edwards get a, get a chance to start? Does uh, Tonga get a chance to start? We see him on special teams in a few plays since he's been with the Bears, but I don't know that. Um, the same thing at uh, at Will Linebacker. Is that Nicholas Morrow? Is that Noah uh, Dawkins? Again, more question marks. The same thing uh, in the secondary. So what, you, what are you doing at Strong? Is that Jaquan Brisker? Does he right. start right away? Does Gordon start right away? I mean, are they healthy, and, and will they start right away? And that, is that the case? Once again, you're breaking in young players and just watching the development of the players. And see, because of what we're talking about, Chris, this is why it gives me pause. Unless you have a charmed Bengals-like season in which all of a sudden like everything goes right, like, wow, like guys are playing above their ability and look at how far that they've gone. This is why you, I'm just not sure about how good this Bears team is because of all the question marks on the roster. Well, and the, the reason the Bengals worked, it all goes back to Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. So then you'd look towards our version of that, a, an ex-Ohio State quarterback, Justin Fields, and and we've uh, talked here on the podcast about almost everything except for Justin Fields. Georgia guy, by the way. Georgia. Well, transfer. He didn't originally yeah. start, so they, he transferred out. He's a Georgia guy. He did go to high school in Georgia, so I'll yeah. give you that. Yeah, SEC I'll give roots. you that. Okay, uh, SEC roots. Um, I, I say this. I think Fields is the real deal. He just hasn't shown it to us yet, but we've, seen, you know? we've seen some flashes. Well, how do you know? Well, okay, so what what part of how, like, you're saying to solidify the end-all, be-all, how do I know? I don't know. You don't know. I don't know, but I do know what I watched in college. Yeah. And and he's not like some of the bust-outs that we've seen in the past. Like, there, I, I think there's a clear difference in guys like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. And then when we uh, turn our sights on to Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis from this year's draft, they're, they're totally different quarterbacks. And, and I feel as if what they accomplished in college does mean something. At the quarterback position, if you are a guy who is well-established, accomplished, winning football games in big spots in college football, I think it does matter as far as trying to translate that to the next level. I, I just find it hard to believe that Justin Fields is not going to pan out. And I don't think that I'm like going over the top on that. All right. Well, here's my evaluation. He needs of, a lot of help. Well, no, no question. Like, like, like all quarterbacks do, unless the quarterback is just awful, unless he just can't read defenses, Mitch Trubisky. Unless it's that, right? I mean, right. seriously. So, and so, I saw the same thing that you saw in Justin Fields because we both enjoy college football. So we saw him, and I know it may not be popular to say his name now, but I mean, it still is relevant that. 
I saw a Deshaun Watson-like leadership in Justin Fields. You remember Deshaun in college at Clemson? Yeah. And just the way he was able to lead that team. Yeah, I mean, sure, it's one of the top teams that we've seen in recent memory. Sure, he was, had, uh, was loaded on the offensive line and had plenty of time to throw, and he was able to make his receivers better and vice versa. But I thought the leadership, the intangible of the leadership stood out to me in, just, in um, Deshaun Watson. And I saw some of that in Justin Fields as well at Ohio State. Yeah, it was checkered at some at some point was that was that not you and I sitting uh, with Abdallah at uh, around Northwestern watching Justin Fields mm-hmm. Ohio yeah. State against Northwestern yep. or something like that? I mean, <laughs> like like there's some good and there's some some questionable with Justin Fields, and we saw that. But see, Chris, before I give the full thumbs up on Justin Fields, I just want to see a full season of him being able to go through his ups and downs. With Matt Nagy, it's hard for me to say that he's the guy because look how Nagy had nothing for Justin Fields in the Cleveland game. You weren't going to beat the Browns last year, but you also should have been able to equip Justin Fields with a lot more protection. I think we can all agree with that. There are certain games that I saw flashes where I thought, hmm, even in a loss, there's some there's some tight windows that he threw into. He's able to make receivers better, but it just wasn't enough for me to give him the full endorsement. This year will tell a great story, especially if he stays healthy. If he can give you 17 games and listen, the one loss record really won't matter with this this roster to me. I just want to see the development of Justin Fields to for me to feel good about who he is as a quarterback in this league. I'm not going to do the tiers thing with you because we know that it's not a, a top one, top two, top three tier quarterback. But right. what I will what I will tell you is is that there's room for improvement, and I want to see him be the uh, starter, uh, full stop to find out how good he can be with this group of receivers. With the improvement, the thing I'm looking forward to is uh, play for another down. Uh, You're not going to win a football game uh, by making the spectacular play each and every time. And more more than not, it will come back to bite you. So just eat it, throw it in the dirt, throw it out of bounds, live for another down, uh, live for another series, live for another game, because the objective should be keeping him clean and playing through the 17-game schedule. That should be the objective. Now, with that, within the game, if they can protect him and keep him out there, not only do, do I think that increases the chances for the Bears to actually win games, but also he needs to take care of the football. And that, that goes back to living for another down in another series is throw it out of bounds if you got a chance. Don't take that hit along the sidelines. But also, don't try and fit it in there along the sidelines trying to make a spectacular play, even though he can make those plays. We've seen that. Just throw it out of bounds and hold on to the football when you're in the pocket. He had right. way too many fumbles last year. Uh, they, that is a majority uh, of uh, a product of him not being able to hold on to the football when he's moving about in the pocket. Yeah, he was running for his life. The offensive line sucked, absolutely sucked. But he can control whether or not he has the football loose when he's moving around the pocket. Tuck it in, take the sack, try not to get hit, go down, hold on to the football. I I think those are two things that I'm really looking forward to in him. And if he can do that, I think the rest of the stuff will develop and we'll see him go over the middle uh, finding a tight end. We'll see him stretching the field because uh, there was a stat we had here on the podcast, I think, last week that there was only one quarterback who threw the football down the field more often, air yards per attempt, 
Mm-hmm. And that was Russell Wilson in the league last year. So Justin Fields, even with all that trash in his face and a broken offensive line, he was still willing to throw the football down the field, which is half the battle when you're facing a defense because then it stretches it out. It should theoretically make everything under the middle and over over the middle and on the flats open. Uh, so, like, I think he has the pieces for it to work. He just needs to hold on to the football and don't get killed in week two. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, understand that he needs to play 17 games if he can play 17 games and just don't take stupid hits. Well, I think that that's all part of maturity with him. The positives that he has to work with is starts with Darnell Mooney. starts with him because we don't know what St. Brown and Pringle are going to bring. Sure. I, I mean, we could, we could say that Byron Pringle is on a prove-it deal, like, hey, you know what, I, I was with Kansas City, and now I'm going to be able to get mine. Just give me the football, and I can be able to stretch it out. So Mooney's a positive. I also believe that David Montgomery is a positive, along with Khalil Herbert. Now, we're not going to go into the battle of whether or not running backs are important or not. All I will tell you is that running backs that are versatile, I think, are important for any offense. Because if the wide receivers are covered up and you can't get it down the field or if you're getting rushed, here's a David Montgomery or a Khalil Herbert that can give you a nice run after the catch. And that's what I want. I just want the Bears to extend plays. Three and out or just four or five plays just won't get it done for me. It's just bad football. And you know it as well as anybody because you got to watch this stuff live oh, at yeah. Soldier Field. So it's, it's hard to watch three and outs and just ineptitude offensively. But I think that... To have an offense that can go, Montgomery and Herbert, I think it have to be part of that. I love that one-two punch because both showed some signs last year. So that's another positive. I don't know if you've seen this on your depth chart, but I've seen it since uh, since the new regime has come in. Yeah, will there be a fullback on the field? I hope so. Blasting game? Will there be? Because I you see this too, I love, right? I love seeing a fullback out there. Now, you could just say, like, oh, okay, well, that's a special teams guy, or maybe, but he's listed as a fullback, which is which tells me, again, more protection for Justin Fields. Yeah, having a fullback out there, I don't, I, you know, I'm not asking for Coon to be out there. You know, I don't, I don't need that. I don't, Coon, you know, you know, he gets the two yards in a cloud of dust. Get out of I here, Packer fans. That, yeah, I don't, I don't need that. That's not what I'm asking for. What are, what are they saying? <laughs> you know, the John Coon, you remember him? No, I, I know. I mean, uh, uh, you know, the, here's a guy here that would long be long time nice, Packer. Yeah, just you know, for the two yards, you know, for the fourth and one play. You know, if if blasting game's part of that, mm, that's well, fine. I, that's I'll a add this as well. I'll add this. I, I like it. it. It's something the 49ers do. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, you know, Kyle Shanahan, the West Coast system that, that they run and their, their ability to use players like a fullback out of the backfield as receivers. It, it's all about mismatches and, and stacking the offensive line. So if you want to run the football, you can. You have a blocking advantage, but you also play action out of that, which... Hopefully, Justin Fields is doing more of that this season. And so if you're using the tight ends and a fullback and a running back as receivers as well, uh, keeping the defense off balance, I think, is important. So I, I love that style of football. I, you know, yeah. it, It's something that I grew up watching. I appreciate it. I, I love when the big guy gets, gets a handoff as well and they start rumbling down the field. Uh, I, I think that's good, good uh, solid football. Not every play needs to be four wide receivers spread out in the shotgun formation. Especially this team because it, uh, the Bears don't have that oh, type yeah. of talent. 
unless Valus Jones is that guy. Yeah, we'll, we'll listen, see. Listen, hey man, let me tell you something with Valus Jones, and you know I'm an SEC guy, and I saw him do have some special plays on special teams. He has to be something. If he's not what uh, what the Bears think he's going to be as a wide receiver, that's just a wasted pick. Well, we've seen a lot of fast guys before on this Bears roster that were fourth and fifth on the depth chart or just special teams guys on punt returns. Yeah. He's got to be more than that. Chris, That that I'm telling you now, he has to be able to be something because in an, a, a wide receiver-rich draft, the Bears got Valus Jones Jr., as fine as long as you could press him into service and be able to help him uh, help this offense. So, I mean, again, we talk about positives. There's speed on the roster. There's Mooney. There's a fullback there. There's David Montgomery. And then, again, the question marks are, what are Jenkins and Borum? Whitehair is a veteran. You could play him almost anywhere on the offensive line. Maybe he's going to be on the left side this year. What is Pat- What is Lucas Patrick in the middle at the center? What is Sam Mustafer? Can he be able to hold on on the right side of the offensive line? And then from the defensive standpoint, we talk about positives. Robert Quinn's a positive. Roquan Smith is a positive on the team. Now, the question, not, not even a question mark, a negative to me is Eddie Jackson at free safety. <laughs> uh, a, a question mark is Brisker and, and Gordon. Sure. You know, so that, that's the thing. Like, and all these other guys, you mentioned the, the line. Uh, who's going to be able to get to the quarterback? Roquan. And he's coming from the linebacker position. I mean. And then, and then what? Yeah, right. I mean, it's like that's why there there are a ton of questions. And if if someone wants to say this team's going to be terrible, uh, like I get where those people are coming from to go, you know, take this all full circle on on this whole conversation. My my point is that, like that's not necessarily how the NFL works. Everyone's basically five hundred. There's like two or three terrible teams. I don't think the Bears will be that. There's like three or four great teams. But usually the great teams, sometimes they don't even peak until we get into January. So for the most part, you get teams that struggled. I mean, was Cincinnati a Super Bowl contender in November? No, no they weren't. They were, not, they no. were fighting to, to make the playoffs. They got on a heater. They got a great quarterback, great wide, wide receiver. So I, I just think, you know, you're right. There's a lot of questions. Uh, but hopefully, if you fill some of those spots with young players, the young players develop and they turn into something outside of just relying on vets who have been there before who continue to disappoint. Because I feel like that's what the team kind of was last year. You, so, had a bu- you had a bunch of names who oh, yeah. did something at one point, but now they're not doing it anymore, like Eddie Jackson. So, Chris, I'm going to give you context here on the 33rdteam.com, uh, a website tiering the best offensive weapon groups in the NFL in 2022. So for for context, I will give you the tier one. The best groupings as far as uh, offense, Cincinnati with Joe Mixon, uh, Samaje Pirine, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and that group. The Las Vegas Raiders are on this list for tier one. Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, we know the names, uh, Darren Waller, player, uh, player, uh, players of that ilk. That's tier one as far as, again, the category tiering the best offensive weapon groups in the NFL for 2022. So they give the Bengals and the Raiders. And then the other one is the Dolphins. Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, players like that. So we scroll down looking for the Bears, right? It's tier two, Vikings, Broncos, Saints, Eagles, Bills, Panthers, 49ers. 
uh, Buccaneers, Rams. Tier three, don't see the Bears. Tier four, don't see the Bears. Tier five, don't see the Bears. Tier six, don't see the Bears. Here's tier seven. Tier seven is Baltimore. This is the last tier is seven. Baltimore with J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Rashad Bateman. The Texans with Marlon Mack, Rex Burkhead, Brandon Cooks. Atlanta with Cordero Patterson and uh, Drake London and Auden Tate. The Patriots with Damian Harris and Devontae Parker. The Giants with Saquon Barkley, Matt Breida, and Kenny Holiday. And then there's the Bears. The Bears with Montgomery, Herbert, Darnell Mooney, Pringle, St. Brown, Komet, and James O'Shaughnessy. Not Think great. about that. Yeah. Now, now, now. the reason why I went through that exercise with you is because they give seven tiers of offensive weapons for 2022, right? And they have the Bears mixed in with the Ravens, the Texans, the Falcons, the Patriots, the Giants, and the Bears. Now, there's some talent. There's for sure talent in this tier seven, isn't it? Sure, yeah. Ba- ba- Baltimore, to me, will be in the playoffs this year. Yeah, uh, yeah and, but yet they, But yet they have a tier seven as far as their talent. Rookie, rookie wide receiver, they trade away Hollywood Brown. I, I get it. But, but just the idea that, you know, when people say the Bears are dead last, well, if they're, they're listing, you know, the dead last or the worst of the worst as far as offensive weapons in the NFL, and Baltimore is there. You don't yeah. think that they have a, a puncher's chance to get the playoffs? No, they certainly do. Okay, the Patriots are on this list yeah. too. Giants, Giants, no, okay, they have Saquon Barkley. They probably won't make the playoffs. Atlanta's rebuilding. Uh, Texans are rebuilding. But to put the Bears dead last, there are teams that are re- that are not very good in rebuilding. So when I hear that, I recoil and say, there's no way the Bears are going to be the 32nd team in the NFL. Because sure. there are players on both sides of the football that can pay dividends for this team to get at least six or seven wins. Thank you for joining me today, Jonathan. Check out Jonathan on the uh, Cap and J Hood weekday morning, 7 to 10 a.m. right here on ESPN 1000. Thank you for coming on the Bear Down podcast. You can also uh, follow Jonathan on Twitter at TweetJHood. Uh, what do you think? First time on the Bear Down podcast. We're going we're gonna to swing back at the end of the summer and get like picks and predictions before the season starts. But how, how'd this feel? You got me fired up here. Uh, good. You got, me, you, got me, you got me fired up on Bears talk. Usually I don't get that fired up on Bears talk. Well, Usually I mean, it's the NBA. <laughs> a, little, a little Bear Down podcast. Tuesdays and Thursdays. Well, well I, I like that. I like that we have an opportunity to be able to spread our wings, talk a little Bears football. It's got me fired up already. I'm looking forward to the season after going to these depth charts. How about that? Thank you, Jonathan. Have a great day. Thank you. And for Adam Abdallah and Chris Black. This is Jonathan Hood. This has been the Bear Down Podcast right here. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time with another edition of the Bear Down Podcast. So long, everybody.